Hey guys, it's Sasha. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of On the Overlap. Just as a quick reminder, we do record these live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Locker Room app. With the Locker Room app, you can join in on our conversations, listen live, and even contribute your own thoughts as well just by hitting the request to speak button. And you can see that in this episode. We had some great conversations with, I think, four or five different people. It was phenomenal and I had a ton of fun. On today's podcast we talked about Frank Lampard, we talked about Arsenal, and we talked about Barcelona's struggles at the moment. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoyed recording it and make sure to tune in next week for our next episode. Hope you enjoy. Alright guys, how's it going? Welcome back to On the Overlap. It's Sasha and James back with another episode. Today, the biggest news, the best news that I could have gotten, Frank Lampard out at Chelsea. He was sacked earlier today on January 25th um yeah I mean some groundbreaking new or ground shattering news but at the same time it was kind of expected with big bad Roman Abramovich at the helm of Chelsea Football Club James your thoughts honestly man it was long overdue and it was kind of spontaneous now that I think about it because they had just won in the FA Cup against Luton Town 3-1 and this should have happened after the Man City game, to be honest. They could have given them more time to prepare and have that tactical shift from what Lampard has to what Tuchel wants ahead of the Athletic Madrid game. But honestly, the memes, I'm starting to believe them. Like Mason Mount, I don't think he'll be starting as many games as he, he was under Lampard. I think this is finally when Pulisic takes, you know, he hones in that position. He's got their number 10, which is legendary at that club. And I think this is a good thing. I'm so glad it was Tuchel, by the way, and not Allegri. Even though I like Massimiliano Allegri as a manager, Tuchel can link, link with ha- Havertz and also with uh, with Werner. Um, not only with the language and the nation connection that they have, but also that he understands the Bundesliga and he'll be able to try to translate that into the Premier League. I think it's the perfect managerial replacement. Um, I'm just curious as to what Chelsea's ambitions are for this season and for moving on in the future. Like, does Thomas Tuchel have to take them past Atletico Madrid to consider it a successful season? Um, is making top four one of the requirements for him? Um, that's what I'm curious about. But with Lampard, it wasn't just a matter of results. It was him turning a club that was supposed to be a young core attempting to challenge for the title into a team that couldn't even score goals. And mm-hmm. taking one of the top attackers in Europe and making him making him essentially a defense uh, sorry an attacking liability which is something Chelsea have struggled with over the last few years with their strikers yeah James like you said I don't know what Chelsea's you know success envisionment is with Tuchel at the helm at least for this season but we brought Howard and Bolu up on stage and of course you guys uh, Frank Lampard being sacked is major headlines right now so we'd love to hear what you guys say about it Man, great day for for Chelsea fans. You know, I don't love them, but I don't hate them as an Arsenal fan. But one question I have for you guys is just, what do you think the implications are of really like firing a like a club legend like this? It's just so hard to do in such a dirty way, you know, because he was just so bad for them. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, I want to hear a little bit more what you think about the politics there, because it's super awkward. Like, is he going to be at reunion matches and like stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I I don't think anyone will have any hard feelings against him. I think he was just put in a tough situation 
not a lot of managerial experience. He was brought in. He performed well with a team that was under a transfer ban and a young team as well. And you spent $200 million and then you bring in all these potential superstars and they just don't perform up to expectations. And that happens, and that's okay. But at the end of it all, I don't think anyone's going to have any hard feelings towards Frank Lampard. Do you think, do you think he's going to have hard feelings towards Chelsea? I mean, this is like the biggest headache of his life, you know? No, Howard, if you remember a few years ago when he played for Man City and he scored against Chelsea, those tears in his eyes, like he loves that club. And also, yeah. he's not yeah. the first He's not the first Chelsea manager to get sacked. Mourinho, their greatest of all time, got sacked twice. If anything, if anything, getting <laughs> sacked by Chelsea is just one of those regular things. It's bound to happen. They have ambitions. And he, if he truly loves Chelsea, he acknowledges that there's going to be always a better man in, that can take them to the higher level. And that's what I was telling Sasha in, in, pod, in previous mature. weeks. That, like, when you love something, you've got to let it grow and go. You know, and, and since Chelsea were on the downhill with him, it it's really Chelsea's only, you know, hope is to sack him and bring someone that's way more experienced that has reached a Champions League final in the last 12 months and loves working with young players. Um, so real. Superstars as well. So real. So real. Yeah, and um, maybe maybe when Lampard gets his experience in other leagues and builds his way up with the actual repertoire instead of just getting a job based on your notoriety throughout the club, maybe there'll be a chance for him to come back. And I'm certainly not against that. It's just I think he needs time to develop his tactics and his managerial sense because he's a great player, and there's no debating that at all. I agree. Yeah. And honestly, I find I find Lampard in a bit of a situation like Pirlo, where they jump from one level to drastically, you know, super, um, from, let's say, the academy of Juventus to the main team, and now he's got to win the Champions League with them, or else the Ronaldo investment is, is a failure. Kind of expectation that's put on him was the same with Lampard. Um, when you buy $200 million worth of the best young talents in Europe, and you don't deliver, you get fired. With Pirlo, it's the same situation. It's not like he's not a he doesn't have the potential to be a good manager, but even the greatest right now in Europe, you can't put that much expectation on them. And yet these guys, they take the job knowing very well that their reputation could be on the line, and people could even judge their playing career based on their managerial success, which is something that is ridiculous. But it's bound to happen. Um, another example is Zidane, for example. Yes, he won the three Champions League. But now that he doesn't have Ronaldo and he's been a bit turbulent this season, people are, are doubting whether or not he's a good manager. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, sorry. In my opinion, I think he should, he should never have been um, hired in the first place. I know at the time, 2019, there weren't many options. But like for a club at the stature of Chelsea <laughs> and to hire a man that has never had a job before, no experience just because of, oh, he's a club legend. Yeah. It's kind of silly. But for the first year, he did do a good job. Mm-hmm. And I know this year has been not that good. However, they're only five points off top four. And I know they spent like big money, et cetera, et cetera. But this season, everyone's been beating everyone. I mean, you have teams like Aston Villa, they're playing well. Leicester's playing well. West Ham's playing well. So it's a thing where, although they're not okay, top three in the league, they're not that far off. And I think it's very reactionary at Chelsea. But it's it's in history. It's what they do. I mean, Mourinho, as you said earlier, Mourinho, he got fired. Best manager of their history, twice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, just, it's a thing where you've got to expect it to happen. But I think the manner in which they did it, I think they should have. I think I think they should have held out to the end of the year, in my opinion. But yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you think he should have been given a longer opportunity or at least a bigger look just because, you know, Arsenal have Arteta, they've been giving him a longer look. Same with Ole. Like, they haven't been impressive for some stretches, but then they come back and they've shown that they know how to manage the team. I mean, yes, Lampard's been disappointing, but would do you think that seeing him out to the end of the season maybe would have been better for Chelsea? I think so, but the fear of not getting too cold, you know, some clubs missed out on Pochettino, and I think that had a ripple effect in top managers being available for top teams. And so I think Chelsea acted knowing that if they acted now, they could get too cold to sign um, because other clubs were interested in him. And I, I think I think that's the reason they sacked Lampard um, right now. But that it was bound to happen, it was bound to happen. I don't think he would start next season as their manager. Um, so who do you think the report? Tuchel's already confirmed. Thomas Tuchel. Oh wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I don't hate it then. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he knows what he's doing, at least in my opinion. And James Bolu, I was going to ask you if if you want to transfer from talking about Frank Lampard to talking about his replacement now, Thomas Tuchel. He, he's he's well known for for being. You know, a, a very good tactician. He's had some decent stints with PSG. He kind of fell out of Dortmund, but it happens. James Bolden, what do you think? What do you make of the replacement hire? Um, well, I love I love the appointment to be honest, because when you bring fresh, you know, a, a manager that has success in another league to the Premiership, it brings different styles. For example, when when Conte first came to the Premier League, he brought the three four three. People were, you know. They were confused as how three in the back would survive in such a pace, you know, centric league. And yet it worked. He won the title in his first season with 93 points. Um, and Tuchel, you know, when he had Borussia Dortmund with Marco Royce and Obama Yang, he, he definitely knows how those players work. And Werner and Havertz, they speak the same language from the same country. I just love the approach. If this doesn't work, I'm just, maybe I don't want to sound like a fanboy here, but like I, I think that that would fall in the hands of the players. Because then you are bringing an experienced manager that knows how to work with pieces that either are very valuable in terms of their potential or already valuable in terms of like what they're actually doing right now. For example, Aubameyang, when he had him, he got the most out of him. With Havertz and Werner, if Tuchel can't get the most out of them, I can't name you another manager that could. You know, even, even funny enough, the best manager in the world in the, many, in the eyes of many, Jurgen Klopp, has struggled to win in his last six games. Um, if he, if he's struggling and Tuchel's struggling, I think that's just on the players. And Chelsea, unfortunately, they they, they like to put the blame on the manager because it's very easy to get rid of one manager versus twenty three squad players. But if he is not successful, I don't know who could be his replacement because at this club, always looking three steps ahead. <laughs> well, what do you think about Lou? Like, he's, um, there, no man is perfect, but I, I think he was the most ideal manager for this situation, especially going into a tie like Atletico Madrid, where they're going to be experienced. They have youth, but they also are leading in the league, and they have a lot of ambitions themselves. Thomas Tuchel, who just went to the Champions League final, is is experienced in being able to to change his squads and getting them up and running very, form, you know, fairly. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's a, he's a brilliant coach. I mean, got to the Champions League final last year. 
Um, yeah, here you have stars like Neymar and Mbappe, but I mean, tacti- um, tactically, I think he's brilliant. I think he's going to bring something new to Chelsea as well. Um, something that we have not seen, something different we haven't seen since, I would say, since Conte actually, yeah. And I feel I feel like if it doesn't work, it's definitely the players. Because Pulisic, thought, um, I don't know if he was there while Tuchel was there actually, but Pulisic um, has history playing with Dortmund. You have Werner, you have Havertz, and you have a whole lot of young guys. And that's what Thomas Tuchel has. He's made a name of a building off of young guys. Um, PSG, you look at Kera, um, he's grown a lot. Um, then, and, then and by the did, way, Pulisic did uh, play under Tuchel at Dortmund. Okay, yeah, thank you. So um, Dembele as well, even though he's been injured all the time, he grew under um, Tuchel and he was brilliant at Dortmund as well. So I think if it's if it doesn't work, it's the players. However, I feel like he needs time, just like every other manager. So as an Arsenal fan, Arteta, even though I don't agree with him being a manager, but Arteta, he's given he's been given time. Um, you look at other clubs, um, even Man United when they had. Um, um, Ferguson, his first year was absolutely horrible, and then he went out to be the best manager of all time. Yeah. And I feel like if I feel like it's a man, it's a matter of time. If they give him the time that he needs to rebuild, to implement his um, tactics philosophy into the squad, then they will be good. However, if they don't, like they usually don't, then it could just be he's in maybe an FA Cup, whatever, and he's out. I agree. Like some managers just need time. Even supposedly the worst modern manager in Mex- in Manchester United history, David Moyes, he took them to the quarterfinals of the Champions League and lost to the treble winning Bayern Munich side in the quarters. Like if you give a manager time, even if their expectations are you know astronomical, you may you may be able to see something that you wouldn't have out of another manager. Plus, switching it all up in the mid season puts even more pressure on the new manager, you know? And so I just feel like if they give their current manager more time, then that gives them the squad the ability to be able to to shape up for that season. And yeah. I'm going to invite Saul and Tad up to the stage, see if they want to speak as we're talking live on the locker room app on this major news, Frank Lampard being sacked. You know, I mean, I've seen some comments based on what the players are saying. Like, Aspie has learned a lot from him. And I know, like like you were saying earlier, James uh, Mount was a big fan of him. And I, I think he was probably universally well-liked by the Chelsea fans or the Chelsea players. Some of the Chelsea fans, too. Like, there were a huge majority of Chelsea fans that were backing Lampard even throughout this whole season. But that doesn't matter anymore. Frank Lampard has been fired. Thomas Tuchel coming in to replace him. So what do you make of the news? I guess, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I can't say I was surprised just because of Chelsea's form and, and how they've been playing. But um, it, it is a quick hook for sure. I guess I'm, I'm curious for you guys' take on this. Do you think this sort of ends the the trend that we saw of a lot of teams hiring former players and legends? Or do you think that, uh, do you think that Tuchel's just one step for Chelsea, but that we'll still see more players coming managers? I've never thought of that, to be honest. I mean, do you mean it in the Premier League or across Europe? Because I don't think it's the end of it across Europe. But in the Premiership, definitely. Like, you won't see, uh, you know, David Silva coaching Manchester City anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> or 
Um, and, and, and Chelsea, now that I think about it, this was actually their first only attempt at a player manager. I, I don't, I'm not that um, familiar with their manager, managerial history, but, um, you know, for example, Arsenal hiring Arteta, that's, that's also their first attempt, but they're not as um, as harsh in terms of firing managers as Chelsea, you know? Like, even when Arsene Wenger had fallen out of the top four for the first time in, like, 20 years, they didn't sack him until three years later. No, no, I think two years later. Whereas with Chelsea, um, they're still in contention for top four. It's not like they uh, got eliminated from the Champions League group stages, which they did in 2013, and they sacked Roberto Di Matteo. That was more reasonable. With this, they're for all we know, they could be in in a good position to to perform well in in the Champions League. Let's say they they lose that tie in the round of sixteen is a strong, formidable opponent like Atletico Madrid. Um, let's say they finish top four in the Premier League. I think that's that's perfectly fine. Um, but in terms of player managers, you know, dying as a trend across Europe. I don't think so. Even though I, sh- I don't think it should have been a thing in the first place. Like you've got to prove yourself all over again. Like when you're a manager, you've got to. It's like a brand new career. You shouldn't be able to pick up from where you left off in terms of your playing career. Um, if if we cross sports, because I know you have that got that uh, Miami Heat profile picture. <laughs> like Michael Jordan, best player of all time, one of the worst GMs of all time. How does that translate? I don't know, but it just happens. And the, and the same thing in football. You know, Diego Maradona, when he was Argentina's coach, their best player of all time until Messi arrived. And yet when he coached them, it was disastrous. And they lost 4-0 to Germany in the quarterfinals of the 2010 FIFA World Cup. So managers should be selected based on their reputation over like a span of years. Not just, oh, legendary player. He's got to be a legendary manager. You know, it, it isn't always the case. No, I, I totally agree. And even, you know, I'm a, I'm a United supporter and, and uh, I am excited about Ole at the wheel. But even still, I think you could say that he probably got the job way too early in his career for when he, you know, should have earned it or whatever. And uh, he's, there's definitely been some growing pains he's had to learn on the fly. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm curious because, yeah, like uh, Ole, Arteta, Lampard, these are all, you know, sort of this new wave of hiring player managers or, or you know, former club legends as managers. And, and I just, I don't think it works. Like you guys said, you know, you got to earn your way up. Like, uh, you know, like Rooney at Derby County or whatever. You got to, you got to earn your way. Yeah. And Bohu was saying something about that earlier, about how he doesn't think Arteta should be at the helm right now. I don't know if you want to speak on that more, Bolu. But um, um, yeah, so, so I was never Arteta in, basically. Um, when Emery got fired, um, Ancelotti was available and Allegri was available. And essentially what Arsenal did was t- they took the easy route and they said, you know what, because Arsenal, we're a cheap club. <laughs> There's no doubt about that, we're a cheap club. So they just they said, you know what, we're taking Arteta. Um, he's, he's done a decent job, but I still feel like there's a lot of things that that he just does wrong, especially with, firstly, signings. Um, I don't know why he signed Willian. It does not, does not make sense to me. Um, other stuff like other stuff like so, um, we learned our Klatinac, um our backup left back, and now we have no backup left back. So literally, um, was it Saturday when we played um, Southampton? We lost that game because we had to play a right back, a left back, Cedric, 
And obviously Cedric is right footed, so down that left side we had literally no offense at all. And it was just some like small tactical things like that. Just that don't make sense to me. Also the lack of experience. I mean, he was sure he was on he was assistant manager under um what's his name, Guardiola. But that lack of experience and I know I know you won an FA Cup and a community community shield, but the um the lack of experience in the league especially against teams such as like your sit-back and counter-teams. So your teams like Burnley, your teams like, you know, those like boring old teams, basically. And I feel like the way he coaches the team and he excludes players as well, messes up the chemistry of the team as well. So the thing with Ozil messes up the team. Socrates, he was professional about it, but it messes up the team, stuff like that. And when you're in that, type of position for the first time it's overwhelming however a manager such as what's his name um, let's say Mourinho he will organise his team like he knows like he basically knows what he's doing but essentially that's all I can say about that so that's why I don't really want him at the helm you know you're spitting facts about the, the Ozil situation because with Arteta it's very easier for him to find a scapegoat like that and also not try to form their, like, not try to change too much of what they already had. You know, with, like, Aubameyang, Lacazette, those are the centerpieces of the Arsenal attack. If he wanted to reintegrate Ozil, that would be too experimental for his, like, lack of managerial experience. He wouldn't know how to do it. So he, like you said, took the complacent easy way out. And Arsenal as a club, like, I agree, they are cheap. Um, when Wenger was uh, trying to compromise with Getting players for cheap, Nasri, for example, when they were they had Arshavin, Robin van Persie, Fabregas, they weren't able to compete in the transfer market for players like Robinho. When when Chelsea and Manchester City were being able to spend thirty million pounds every single transfer window on individual talents, but if you hadn't picked Arteta, would you have gone for like Massimiliano Allegri? And I say could have because potentially he is still on the market. Would you go for him? If Arteta is a disaster and Arsenal, you know, move on from... Um, yeah, simply because Allegri, he's... I mean, he's a he's a winner. I don't know how... I think it was, what, seven, eight times he won um, Syria? Obviously, fair enough, Syria is not the strongest league apart outside of Juventus. But he took Juventus to, was it, two um, Champions League finals. Um, he lost both of them, fair enough, in 2015-2017. But two finals with considerably weaker squads than his opponents because he faced that Barcelona side with um, MSN and um, the Real Madrid side with Ronaldo, etc. Bale, that team was incredible. So, um, I would have taken him, yeah, simply because of that experience. And I feel like a lot of our players, they're also like, like today's are cool. So, they're kind of, they're just, they're very lazy and they need that, um, that structure and that leadership mentality from a coach such as Allegri. I feel like Allegri is that type of coach that will, like he gets into his team and he says, you know what, yeah, you, you're doing this and there's no two ways about it. I feel like Arteta, he's a, obviously with that new, I feel like Arteta, he's getting there um, with his whole philosophy and that, but I just don't see the growth of Arteta reaching the, the heights of Allegri in the space of a year, two years. 
You make a valuable point because I think the signing of Arteta was complacent because he wouldn't expect a lot of transfers. Whereas someone like Allegri would only sign for Arsenal with the agreement that he'd be able to get the players he wants. And Arsenal know that world-class managers want world-class players. World-class players are not cheap. So it makes sense. But what if they replace Arteta with a, I wouldn't use the word mediocre, but like not world-class manager? Do you think that would be an indication that Arsenal just don't want to compete in the transfer market? Do you think that they're not capable of doing it? That maybe they're hiding the fact that they can't buy? Um, I feel like it's to do with the coach, the coaches as well. So not the coaches, the management, like the board. Um, Kroenke, um, I despise that man. And he's, he's <laughs> invested in his American team's all the American sports stuff like and that, and Arsenal with he just yeah he takes from Arsenal to, to fund his uh like Los Angeles Rams, I believe he owns like a, yeah. another baseball or football team. Yeah, that, that Arsenal always pay the broken plates they say for for those projects, and then when it comes to reinvesting in Arsenal, you know, I never thought about it like this, but do you know that Lacazette was essentially bought as like a safety net for the fact that Sanchez was potentially leaving that summer, had it not been for yeah. the fact that that Lamar rejected Arsenal at the last minute and that Sterling didn't do the swap for Alexis Sanchez over the summer. I, I realized that... Uh, yeah. They, they, yeah. Like, they're only tight for funds because they make it that way. It's... it's I, I in no way am I blaming Arteta. It's just the Arsenal fans should feel hard done because they pay the same prices, if not higher, than all the other elite top six clubs. And they have the least transfer activity. Their superstar is at Ozil. Terrible contract extension. You know, he had them at um, at ransom, essentially, which was siphoning funds from from them to the point where their team mascot got, got sacked because they yeah. couldn't afford to pay him. I remember Arsene Wenger once came out and said that the, the cleaning ladies and and the people that are in the lower hierarchy of the club were struggling to make ends meet because Arsenal couldn't afford to pay them. The building of the Emirates, you know, a lot of stuff that goes on at this club. I mean, it makes me wonder, like, why why their owner doesn't take more responsibility for it. Not to mention Gazidis, who Gazidis, who now works for AC Milan, would never come out to address it. You know, do you think do you think that that rubs off on the club in in, in their success or that the lack thereof? Um, yeah, because. Um, in this modern day and age, you need money to succeed. I mean, I think the perfect example I can think of is Leipzig. Leipzig, who were created, what, 10, 11 years ago? Um, they've gone through, like, all four divisions in Germany. And they've spent, even though they spent not as much money as an elite club, they've spent a lot and they spent well. And Arsenal, I feel like for a history of First, firstly, releasing players, not releasing players, but letting players' contracts run out. So like Ramsey, Ozil, um, even Mustafi as of now, he's about to leave. Um, oh, so like, yeah, so yeah, exactly. Socrates as well. Um, even Alex, Alexis, um, his contract, it ran down um, and then we had to obviously do the Mkhitaryan thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's, it's and I feel like it stems from the upper management into the the team itself because there's definitely that connection there with team the two. And I feel like if 
and I've, I've seen it with um, all, all or nothing Spurs um, when I was in Prime. I don't know if you've seen that, but um, there's a lot. Um, because uh, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember the name of the, the Spurs owner. I can't remember his name. Spurs, the Spurs owner and Mourinho, they talk a lot. And I feel like there's that lack of communication between Arteta or any manager, actually. Arteta, Emery, Wenger, between the manager and that ownership. And I feel like that's because this club, they don't they, they, they don't care about the club, basically. And I feel like that just stems down into the players. So once you, so once you go into the market and... I mean, you're getting players such as I don't want to, such as Kalasinac, who there are better left backs, um, such as William, who's 32, whoever how old he is, and he's out of his prime, and it's a Chelsea reject. Even Petr Cech, he was good in his first year. After that, horrible. Just signings like that, they just they don't allow, they don't attract other players to the club. So that's why the likes of Lamar. Um, Higuain for how many how many summers Benzema for how many summers just rejected us constantly well I mean things that might be taking a turn for the better though you guys got Thomas Party over the summer and now Martin Odegaard on loan those are some two pretty decent signings that if it transpires into some actual results it could attract other players to come because you know Arsenal's still a storied club they're you know, still in the Premier League and they play in London you know, it, it's a good place to go, but it's just, I don't know. At this point, Arsenal's not that attractive. If, like, if I was, like, a, a superstar player, I guess, is, as you're saying with Higuain and Benzema and, and everything like that. And that is true, that especially when you say superstar, because Arsenal, they can get your your bench players like Dani Ceballos or Dennis Suarez. But, you know, speaking of Suarez, when they went for Luis Suarez, they weren't able to get him, you know, yeah. because they, they don't have that pull. And what's funny is, like, it just seems like it's getting worse and worse. Like Manchester United can get Cavani on a free contract um, because they have that pull. Whereas with Arsenal, they get Willian on a free contract. And I feel bad for their fans because what are they doing wrong? You know, obviously they can't attend the games now, but in the years prior, they were paying the highest tickets in Europe. You know, they were they were backing a team that frankly was in a Europa League every year and got humiliated by Chelsea in 2019. And it just doesn't seem to get any better for them. Like, Bulu, what, what would you say is the solution? Which, by the way, I was going to say, they went from selling to rivals to taking the hand-me-downs from their rivals. In Czech, in William, um, they're always in the... in the. They wanted Fellaini at one point. You know, it's it's switched up for them where they're just being disrespected almost by themselves based on how cheap they are. Um, so I was going to say, how how do you think this can be resolved? Like a change of... I think it has to be, but the problem with the Kroenke family is that they're not going to sell because we are that side um, that side cash. Um, because I remember a couple of years ago, there were rumours, or actually not even rumours, there were like um, stone-cold facts that Usman of the Russian, he wanted to uh, buy the club. And I, I can't remember where he went. I think he bought Everton. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, Usmanov. Yeah, Usmanov. Yeah. I think I think he bought Everton or bought shares in Everton. And you look at Everton. I mean, they've been brilliant pretty much so far this season, and they've made some decent times as well. Um, and I and yeah, that's even that's with a that's not even with that big of a budget. 
And I feel like even... I look at clubs like Wolves, for example, who a couple of years ago were in League One and they got new ownership and they've done this whole Portuguese thing. But they've grown massively. And although this season they're not having the best of seasons, you can see you can see where the club is going. They can see the direction the club is going. Um, if you look um, like abroad, even teams like who I'll say are on the same level as, as like Atletico Madrid, for example. Um, although they, although they sell, although they sort players like Griezmann, you still have that um, Jao Felix signing, who was I don't know, it was a lot of money. I can't remember how much, but it was a lot of money, and you still have that direction and that desire to win, which I don't think the owners have. Yeah, like being being American, the the Kroenke group it definitely just sees Arsenal as, like you said, extra cash on the side. They own way too many teams, way too many properties to even like remotely care about the transfer business. Um, I was just like, while you're talking about, I was looking through it, and I was honestly astounded by how many different professional sports organizations they own. So, like Arsenal, as we said, the Rams, the Denver Nuggets of the NBA. The Colorado Avalanche of the NHL, Colorado Rapids of the MLS. Uh, they own a professional cross team, professional Overwatch League team, and now a Call of Duty League team. And when you have that much money spread across so many different franchises, you're going to be strapped for it in, in some ways. Now, for most of the American sports, I'm not, like, I'm not, I don't know about the Overwatch League or anything like that. I don't think they're super popular yet. But there's always a salary cap that you can't go over. So you know you're going to be giving this amount. And if you go over it, you're going to give, um, you're going to have to pay more money. So you're going to try to do your best to stay within that salary cap. In, in, in world football, it's like it's completely different. You just, you're paying tens of millions, even up to hundreds of millions for players going every which way from, from so many different countries internationally that. I don't even think he knows the first thing about. Like you were saying, but I don't think he's going to sell it just because he sees it as a cash grab. But I mean, at least for now, Arsenal are doing what they can to try and secure players for at least for them to be able to put together at least a somewhat formidable team. Like I mentioned the Odegaard signing or the loan deal. That is going to be a good move for them because Odegaard's a good player and I think he'll be able to come in and contribute immediately. I also saw rumors of a of a deal of sending Ganduzi to PSG in return for Draxler. And Julian Draxler, he's a good player as well that will be able to come in and contribute in the midfield. Now the issue is you're getting all of these midfielders and James, I know you're somewhat of an Arsenal supporter. Bolu, I know you're an Arsenal supporter. Howard in the chat, you're an Arsenal supporter as well. Do you like what? What do Arsenal do next? Like, how can they bolster the team without continually adding to the midfield? What What's the next step from here? Or are these the baby steps you need in order to provide a team that can perform well on the? I think they are baby steps. However, when you mentioned Draxler, that was a transfer rumor. Now, I know Bolu, you'll remember this in like 2013, where you were getting one yep. of the. Back, like biggest wonder kids in Europe. Mario Gotze, obviously, that was like the ones that Barcelona and Bayern Munich Real Madrid wanted. Now, Arsenal, 
I mean, they were never at that stature, but they were still like a respectable club. You could believe those rumors. Even when they wanted Benzema, you could believe those. Nowadays, you don't even get the the what-ifs, you know, those teasers of like uh, Higuain to Arsenal, you know? So I, I guess you're right. They are baby steps, but it's not like it's not like they're going to suddenly sign a, a marquee agent unless it's a player that has like a certain affection for Arsenal. Maybe a French player that started, you know, that grew up watching Thierry Henry or someone who grew up around the area. Um, you know, because there there really is no no incentive. I was thinking about it. Ch- the Champions League is what we grow up wanting to win. You know, even the ones that don't make professional football, or, uh, football we dream of winning the Champions League. However, Arsenal, the only reason to join them back in the day was because they were consistently making it top four year after year. That was their only saving grace. Nowadays, they don't even have that. Um, last year, they got hey, knocked you, out of like, in the round of Europa League. <laughs> yeah, and you're not going to join a team just to win the FA Cup once every right. five years. Exactly. Um, it's just a, a waste of a career. Like, young players don't want to... Young players will go to Arsenal because, number one, it's it's bank. There are a very... Like, they pay their players pretty well, especially with the Mesut Ozil offloading to, to Fernabache. Um and also for, for status, like, hey, you know, I play for one of the best teams in the Premier League, top six, right? You know, there's so many problems with Arsenal. They used to be top three, top four, now it's top six, you know. Th- those are terms that are invented just to make it seem, you know, better than it really is for a club of that magnitude. But, um, but Bolu, I think you would, under- you, would, you would see it more optimistically than I do because for me... You know how those other clubs you mentioned, Wolves, they're in a positive growth mindset? At Arsenal, I see their posts all the time on social media. On this day, 25 years ago, you know, do you yeah. remember Terry Henry? Like, I never hear, we're in the running for this player. Or we have, they didn't, I, I don't know how much they got back from us. Was it a free transfer? But It was a free, yeah. Uh, oh, my. Basically, like, they, it was they, literally nothing. <laughs> it's, it's a club that's kind of just stuck in in the purgatory of, like, being historically great but currently mediocre. Whereas other clubs, they have always been mediocre, so it's kind of not the, not as depressing to see them not successful, you know? If, even in Everton, for example. Everton started the season top of the league for, like, the first five weeks. Um, if they don't win the league, that's not going to hurt anybody. But if you had seen Arsenal, who had historically been a title contender, you know, changing for the better, and then they went back to this mediocre level, you'd be like, oh, man, here we go again. And and with them, it always seems to be that case. They'll beat a Manchester United, who who I think they're still top of the league right now. And yet they'll lose 3-0 to, <laughs> to some of the, the bottom teams in the league. It, I know that happens every year, but come on, man. Like It's, it's starting to happen more often, almost, almost more predictably. And they, they were 15th at one point this season. Yeah. Um, not only does it hurt their chances of signing future stars, but their current players, they also get fed up and want to leave the club. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if Aubameyang had wanted to leave after they had, uh, like, failed to qualify for the Champions League. For Has he even played in the Champions League for Arsenal? Nope. Like, that, that, that probably was one of the promises when he signed from Borussia Dortmund. He's not won the Champions League. You know, when players like Antoine Griezmann join Barcelona, it's to win the Champions League. When players like Aubameyang join Arsenal, it's to at least play in the Champions League. He's never even done it. And, you know, and in the NBA, there's ring chasers. I feel like in football, you know, 
some players will join a Bayern Munich or, or Liverpool or a PSG to try to get, like, like Gianluigi Buffon did, to try to win that Champions League. And Arsenal players, for as loyal as they can be, all of the players in their squad right now will, will leave in the future to try to fulfill their, their dreams and ambitions of winning some trophies that are not the FA Cup or the Capital One Cup. Yeah, it's, I think um, it's just simply that growth mindset um, that we do not have. And it's the, and it was, as I said before, it stems from the upper management. Um, but I feel like my biggest problem with players not wanting to come to the club is simply because the club has no ambition. And like we are seen as a joke now. Whereas, let's say, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, we were seen as one of the biggest clubs in world football. Um, 2006, we made a Champions League final. And I feel like with the club, it's always that reminiscing over the past times, always that looking back um, over the past times. And it's, not, and it's not looking forward to the future. So it's not looking forward at um, the, who's, the, who's the next biggest star. I know we have players like Saka and this, uh, Mill Smith Road, but I'm talking about on like, the world stage. Who's the next biggest star? Let's see, let's see them out before the other clubs see them out. Um, and with the transfers as well, I saw like players like I'm trying to think of like um, a player that was so a player like let's say a couple of years ago, Vidal, for example, like a bruiser in midfield, a, a winner as well. He would never even think or consider coming to Arsenal simply because there's no winning mentality in the club. No ambition. Um, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Just no ambition. And I feel like that lack of ambition, it I mean, other clubs you see that. Players 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 and their agents, they obviously they're friends with each other. They and I feel like what um the club has to understand is that everyone talks in football. It's not like um the days were like gigs and um Robbie um Robbie um Roy Keane, um in which like oh, okay, um you're my rival. I hate you. The passion, like players like Pogba, will talk to players um, across the world. I don't know, like players in Juventus, or because it's social media. And I feel like the club is just um, it's, it's failing to adapt. And I feel like it's that adapt or perish type of thing in which the club is failing to adapt. And once you fail to adapt, you're, you're slowly going to die. And I think that's happening with the club right now. So is is that what they need? Do they need to um be relegated to get re-energized? Do they need to be in the firmly in the relegation battle to be re-energized? I don't like it's it's so tough to say. I'm also bringing up Mike uh, to talk about Arsenal, his beloved Arsenal. Mike, yo yo, what up, y'all? How's it going, man? Good, man. Long time Arsenal fan here. Uh, I think a lot of stuff needs to happen. I, I think they need to clear out their front office. I mean, I can't imagine the type of money they have right now because they haven't bought quality players. No one wants to come play there. <laughs> That's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I was on mute, but I was hysterically laughing at myself about that. I, I mean, the last quality player, they sabotaged. I mean, oh, the whole situation with Ozil was a complete mess. And, like, how do you mess up uh, – Having a guy like that on your team, I mean, he was a he was a wor- world renowned player. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I don't know. It's crazy. It's a really tough time to be an Arsenal fan right now. I'll tell you, like, I hate Liverpool, but they're doing the right thing. 
And, and to add to that point, Mike. <laughs> what up, Yo, Mike? What's good? <laughs> Bro, we got to stick together. We can't give up on this squad. You're right. It's a damn mess. And one thing that comes to mind for me is it's crazy how we're glossing over it at this point, but will we ever figure out what really happened with Ozil? Like, what really happened? I, I think that there's some pretty funky money in Arsenal's uh, in their reserves. Like they've got investments from the Middle East. And in my opinion, you know, he, he probably said some pretty, you know, I know that he was kind of involved in some uh, political stuff and he, he said some stuff that was pretty wild. And I think that the big money paid, you know, and they said, Hey, we're going to sit him and we're not going to play him or we're going to mess up what he's got going. Really? I feel like he said, I feel like it might be something dumber than that. Like he just disrespected Kronky. He like, he said something about Kronky's wife and he got heard. Something like that. I mean, that. Every, everything, honestly, so many of the inner workings of these clubs, like you it would, you know, do you remember when, uh, I think it was rumored that Sir, uh, Cesc Fabregas threw a pizza at Sir Alex Ferguson. Like, yeah, I remember that. that. Something as silly as that can cause controversy. Transfers. You know, I remember, do you know that Ruud Venestroy left Manchester United because Cristiano Ronaldo said he looked like a horse? Like, some of the silliest <laughs> things, some of the craziest things. Figo having a, a pig's head thrown at him at a Clásico. You would not believe that clubs of this magnitude can be so sensitive. But hey, that's just how it works. And a player Which- like Mesut Ozil, who's already a controversial figure in the national team, you know, it, it doesn't help at the fact that if he's already at a club that is dysfunctional and it's very easy for them to look for scapegoats that he'll pay the the broken plates for. Um, but I, I honestly, like I was going to add to your point, Mike, about Ozil being one of the like very la- latest marquee signings in their history. Top free agents or top players in general, if Arsenal can even afford to, to bid for them, they're not going to want to come based on how they treated Mesut Ozil or, or Alexis Sanchez, an ambitious player that left Arsenal because they weren't satisfying his demands. They they were getting destroyed 10-2 in the UEFA Champions League by Bayern Munich. Um, I hate to bring that up, Mike. My bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, that's horrible. That's a horrible but, memory. It's a horrible, horrible memory. But, but hey, at least it was the Champions League. Now they lose to, I, I forget, Olympiacos last season yeah, in, Olympiacos, in the Europa yeah. League. Uh, um, you know, I think I think we're forgetting about a couple additions in the past couple of years. You know, oh, but, David Luiz, David Luiz, Pepe. Oh, well, David Luiz. These are uh, these are world renowned players. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but we wash them up when they come through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Way past it. The thing about. Oh, you go ahead. No, I'm... I was going to oh. say that Arsenal get the the like washed up version of these world class players. For example, if you got a thirty five if you got a forty five year old Messi, you know, it's not the same as like a you know, another player, let's say in their prime. Yo, I'll take a forty five year old Messi over Jose Messi. Antonio Reyes, <laughs> yeah. like they found, they were able to find like gems and mm-hmm. turn these guys into, you know, real solid players at the club level. Yeah. And, and, and you know, like I feel like that's kind of dissipated as well you know they were getting guys that had the french connection i mean they were really connected with the french players i mean that's kind of died out as well like what is even their identity now exactly arsenal and arsenal don't even have a play style anymore that you know they're so lackadaisical on the ball they just try to cross it 
at least when they're finishing fourth, and maybe in 2014, do you remember when they were top of the league in Christmas? Then they lost 5-1 to Liverpool at Anfield. Yeah. The whole league that Man City ended up winning. That that year, they scored one of the most beautiful goals in Premier League history, courtesy of Jack Wilshere, Giroud, oh, and Sergio but nowadays, you don't even get that. You, you just exactly. get mediocrity. So, like, there's there's literally no... I want to say no hope. That's really harsh. But you are, you're much better off not watching Arsenal for your mental sanity than, than even trying to hope that they're going to be... that they're going to change. If anything, like, boycotting is the, is the harshest way to go, but that's the bottom line that Kroenke, their owner, cares the most about. So if Arsenal fans want change, that's one way to go about it. But unfortunately, because of the the stadium, stadiums being empty, like Arsenal fans can't even do that. So, like this is really one of the toughest situations to deal with, and it's not going to be a one year thing. It's not like they sign a world class player and he'll fix everything. This is going to take a few transfers, a few transfer windows, and total change of management and head. I just like to say that Arsenal's best contribution in the past couple of years to the Premier League has been selling Emmy Martinez to Aston Villa and. I will end my rant at. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just like there are some things that the club do that just simply don't make sense. So, for example, I know Emmy wanted first team football, but he was he was a brilliant backup, and when he came in, he did wonderful things. And there are some things that, as a club, that we do. So, in terms of, I know for a long time. We never wanted that, um, a director of football. However, you look at other clubs to being successful around the world. They all had directors of football. And it's just even, it's just the minor things that all culminate and become one major thing. And the whole club just needs a whole reshuffle. And Bolu, I have a question. I remember when, when Liverpool were somewhat of a meme and Arsenal beat them 4-1 in 2015. Um but but then they they were able to reinvent themselves and become Champions League winners, which is something Arsenal have never done, and and go to the top, the very top of football. Some they were even in the rumors of Mbappe there, like they really, you know, had that glow up. You could say. Do, do you think Arsenal missed out on the opportunity to to do that? And do you think Arsenal should have? Um, I feel like Liverpool, when Liverpool had their slump. I don't know where it was. I can't remember what, why it was. However, they always, they were, they were always. I don't actually, and I'm not actually too sure to be honest. I feel like it's a case where I don't think we, at with this ownership, we can make it far anywhere. But I feel like Liverpool. I think I don't think the change of ownership, but the change of management with with Klopp and giving Klopp time, and I know that. They invested well. That was one thing that Liverpool did that Arsenal, we have never done. Um, I'd say, personally, invest well. And I feel like it's the investing in players, in staff, in management that sets Liverpool Liverpool's um, rise from mediocrity back to stardom away from us in what we will do. Because I don't see, I literally, I don't see us competing for a league title in the next 10 years with this management, with this ownership yes. anyway. And, and Bolu, like, I know we've been on Arsenal for a while here, but they, they are quite a, <laughs> quite a big problem. It's like a, yeah. when you hear what's wrong and then someone finally starts venting, you hear everything that's wrong, but you thought, you know? Um, 
I start to think about it. It all started with Thierry Henry going to Barcelona. I, I really, honestly, that's that's where it all started. Because if yeah. he, their most ambitious, or sorry, most successful player, I I, I would say, most yeah. iconic okay. player yeah. in modern times, wanted out, then then the Van Persie, like Burkamp retired, but then it was Van Persie, Fabregas going to Barcelona. Those were those were like respectable departures. Then there was players that straight up just didn't want to be there anymore. Like Alexis Sanchez laughing when Bayern were 5-1 up in the second leg of the 2017 yeah. round of 16. It got that bad. But hey, you're in the Champions League. Then it reached a point where you got players refusing to, to even show up to training like Mesut Ozil in the Europa League. Um, there's Is there another European competition that's smaller than the Europa League? Like Arsenal? Arsenal? They're just going down. They'll find oil at this rate. You know, like they say. And like Sasha hinted before, relegation... Well, it seems like a joke for a club that has never been relegated before. You can't put it past them. There's plenty of squads that they're pretty competitive, but they get relegated from the Premier League every single year. And who's to say that Arsenal on bad form for, for 38 weeks, which, you know, in the direction that they're going, it's it's very possible that in the future you could be contemplating <laughs> being in the second division. I, I don't think it could get that bad. Um at least with Kroenke understanding that the Premier League television rights pay way more than the second league division rights. But but it is a possibility, you know, if Arsenal don't change soon. But um but you know, Arsenal aren't aren't the only only club that need um improvements. Even like Sasha, as we were hinting before, as Arsenal have financial troubles, so do clubs like Barcelona, which you, you might not believe. But Yo, yeah. I completely forgot that I, I had brought that up pre-show. Listen, so I was scrolling through headlines and I see this: a two hundred thirty million transfer, a two hundred thirty million pound transfer splurge with nothing to show for it. No, fuck, that's the wrong thing. What am I talking about? Uh, Barca, right? Am I talking about Barca right now? Barcelona still owe Liverpool yeah. twenty five million pounds from the purchase of Philippe Coutinho in twenty eighteen, as their latest account show they are one hundred twelve million pounds in debt to nineteen clubs over transfers. Whew. How much? Over a hundred million pounds in debt. Wow. Mm. And and I thought Manchester United was was in was in debt with the Glazers and all. Man, that, that's not just the Premier League, by the way. This is a club like Barcelona, which I think fans yeah. partially own the club, or and a lot of investors, of course. Qatar um, Airways are also partially yeah. responsible for this. But you know, I, I at least was brought up with the notion that you can't spend money you don't have. Apparently, in Barcelona, they were not. Not told that. I remember back in the day, Barcelona, to buy Ibrahimovic, they had to win the Champions League to get the UNICEF sponsorship of like forty million, and that's essentially what they used to buy Ibrahimovic. Like back in the day, they had to win games to get money. Now it's kind of like they just use what they already have, like the Neymar money, for example, and they just spread it all out through transfers like Dembele, Coutinho, Griezmann. Now it's rumored, uh, this has been a while, uh, this rumor died down a little bit, but Frankie de Jong going to Bayern Munich. Mm. I don't know if that's that's actually going to happen, but it would have to because they they still owe money for Arthur, I believe, who doesn't play for them anymore. Isn't that right, Sasha? Yeah, so I am I mean, I'm just looking through the actual thing. I was I was just briefly looking at the, um, uh, whatchamacallit, the, just the headline and the little lead and stuff after it. But like looking through it all, some of it's been sold off to like third party stuff, so not everything is old money, but you know, it, it really is just an indictment of how poorly Barca have been 
managing their transfers lately. It's just they're they're a shambles of a club. As as much as we like to talk bad about Arsenal and teams like that, like this is one of the biggest clubs in the world, and they're just completely mismanaging their their assets, their famed players, and their title aspirations all at once. And it doesn't stop there. Who's leaving in, in the summer? I mean, I mean, if he resigns, I'll be shocked. He's not. He's not resigning. You know, so, some dude. I, I don't know. You ever heard of him? I think his name is Messi. <laughs> oh, I thought it was. I thought it was um, Tim. I thought it was Tim. <laughs> what are they going to do about that situation? Now they don't even have money to replace him. Pedri might be a great young player, but he's got big shoes to fill. You know, that's a club which. Oh my! As bad as Arsenal are. I don't know how the emotional toll of next season is going to be for FC Barcelona fans. Because it's probably, mm-hmm. it's not just the bad season where your star player gets injured. It's like there is no star. At Barcelona, it's just a world-class goalkeeper like Ter Stegen who's probably going to get demoralized from having like a lack of success in the league and in the Champions League. Yeah. He's probably going to some, get some the Chelsea. Some the Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> they got more than enough money to pay for him. Some the Chelsea. <laughs> and... Their their iconic players are really old. It's it's a terrible situation. It's it's almost like they had the win now mentality for a little too long, because had they had they invested the Neymar money properly, who knows what would have happened in 2019? Football is definitely the one of those top sports where what ifs they just you know run through your mind at all times, like a. What if they had invested better? What if they had gotten Griezmann when his release cost was $100 million, three years earlier when he had more pace in him, you know, before he became a, a World Cup winner? Which, you know, across sports, winning the biggest competitions just increase your stock value. It just happens. And why Barcelona waited until then to finally purchase him, I'll never know. But I, I can't understand how one of the top three clubs in the world can have such poor management. Like, even the fans who, you know, don't have control over what is said in that boardroom could see it. And they they have so many legends who, who are, are constantly, like Eric Abidal, speaking to players either within the club or have uh, associations and ties to the club. To make those poor decisions, I don't understand. Um and it's, it's just those micro decisions that pile up into this horrible situation they find themselves in. And, you know, now that I think about it, even when they were getting eliminated in the quarterfinals of the Champions League by your Romas, by your Liverpools, it's not as bad as what they're going to experience now, where a competitive La Liga scene may see them not even qualify in the years to come to the top. Yeah, it's... I think it... It's all about the management. Um, just like Arsenal, it's like the management. But the thing about Barcelona is that they have that poor status where they can pull in world-class players. However, if your management is poor, eventually that pool is going to disappear. And you've see, you seen it with Messi. Messi, I think the perfect example was the um, quarter-final Champions League um, this or last year where Messi literally gave up and it's the fact that once the player that has been so loyal to you for, what, 15 years? 15 years plus? He's been loyal to you for that long that he's given up and he knows that I can't do much more with this. I feel like that is when you realise that your club is going downhill and 
I don't know. I don't know what they can do with management because I don't know how you can be managed so poorly in which that you are in debt to that extent. But I feel like I feel like as a um, as a major club, it's a matter of rebuilding at this point because I don't see because I, I don't see them winning a Champions League or even a league anytime soon simply simply because of the lack of um, leadership. And not to mention. This whole Barcelona dynasty started with essentially a free ticket. Like, Xavi, Iniesta, Messi. They were free. I mean, obviously, academy players. Anyways, that won't, that kind of miracle doesn't happen every other day. You know, and, and for them though, to align in their primes in a specific time for that dynasty to happen, Busquets as well, and PK to a certain extent. This was amazing. This was this was a project to, to begin with was low end, if you know what I mean. Like they barely barely invested. They mm-hmm. made it bigger by acquiring Suarez, Neymar, Rakitic, etc. But I, I guess Barcelona have never been the kind of spending club that they eventually became, and as a result of that, they didn't know what it was like. You know, like since Ramadan had always been that Galacticos spend a hundred million per transfer window, see what comes of it. They they became kind of used to it. Whereas the Barcelona, it's, it's like giving a teenager a credit card, you know? They buy Coutinho for $150 million. <laughs> I don't know how the offer even got that high. You know, like, now that I think about it, um, yeah, it, it, it almost seems like Barcelona were not prepared for that. And that, by the way, th- this was probably bound to happen at some point. It's not the fact that it happens now that makes it any different. If... Uh, if you know Neymar had left a few years earlier, or if that eight-two. By the way, the Bayern Munich result, I don't think, like in a purely footballistically speaking term, affected Messi's mentality. It was the state of the club heading into that tie, and the fact that they didn't win any trophies, which is something that will have a dark stain on Messi's reputation, um, and definitely on the club because that's what they were like before Messi. They would go trophyless a few seasons. They would probably not even make the top four or make the Champions League. Um, but then he came, he changed all that. They won four of the five Champions Leagues that they've ever won under Messi. And now, it's just, uh, honestly, look, looking up, looking ahead to this PSG tie, oh my god, this could be the darkest, that could be the darkest day in their history, knowing well that they have already lost 8-2 the year prior. This could still be worse than that, because it's too late. That that's what happens like when the stars align perfectly for a team like Barcelona. You literally have the greatest player of all time on your in your club for over a decade. You have the the like most integral components to Spain's massive title run as a nation holding together your team. And once that starts to fade, reality starts to set in. Fortunately, the 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 reality of it all for Barca is they need to get better quick, and if not, they're going to be in for a long rebuild, in my opinion. They're not going to be contending for titles the way they used to be. They're not going to be contending for Champions Leagues the way they used to be, and that's kind of evident right now. But, I mean, unless another generation of, of players come come together for Barcelona somehow, just like that, but honestly... That was all just the stars aligning for them. And one thing Bolo mentioned was that they have pull, right? 
one of the factors was Messi. Now that he's leaving, if you go to Barcelona, it's probably just going to be for the fat paycheck, the beautiful summer sun, and like, hey, I play for Barcelona. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not absolutely at all. nothing wrong with yeah. that. But but Champions League contention is not not something that you go for Barcelona for. Just the same way as Arsenal, and that's kind of the 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 thing that that hurts the most because the biggest hit isn't financial, which they are taking. It's one of the big factors. It's reputation. You know, do you consider Barcelona right now one of the top five clubs in the world in terms no. of performance this year? No. And that's no. the thing. Like no, in 2015, in 2015, that question is laughable. But now, genuinely speaking. You have to be a die-hard Barca fan to say yes, you know, and and dilute objectivity and become subjective and make it like, well, you know, beautiful football, etc. They'll win one game every other other day. They, they go to the penalties in the Supercopa against the Real Sociedad, which yes, they're having a great season. But when they had MSN, imagine they went to a penalty shootout with with Real Sociedad. It would have been, you know, blasphemous to think that. But nowadays, <laughs> it's just a normal day. I mean, the top five is one question. Top ten is another one. Can you name nine teams that have performed better than Barcelona have this season? Probably. Yeah. 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 I think you. Yeah, I think you can. I feel like, and I feel like that um, with the stars aligning, it's the complacency. Because um, once you have like those stars, such as you have um, Xavi, um, Busquets, Messi, Iniesta. You have those four, and then when once you add um, like a David Villa um, around that, and even even defensively um, Puyol, like when you have, once you have like that core, like and that all goes away, and you and you try and rebuild, but you don't have the so even the, the funds to rebuild. It's the I don't I don't know what the word is, but it's the how do I describe it? I don't know how to describe it, but once you re- once you try and rebuild or try and um, add on to that in a new way, in a new fashion, and but um, actually, I think what it is here, I think it's, what, it's the fact that they haven't they didn't realize what they were losing. So and I, so once you realize that you, you've lost that much, it's the I, I, can't, I can't describe it. I don't know, I don't know how to describe it, but you need to go. What I mean, it's like yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Like they, they thought that that dynasty would last forever. I mean, that's that's the feeling that I was getting. Where it's like you lose yeah. Neymar, it's okay. We all, you know, we're still, we still got Messi. They lose Suarez, it's okay. We still got Messi. Now they don't have and Messi. They lose now, Messi, yeah. Now they're like, yeah. wait, whoa, what? And now Coutinho has very barely any resale value. Um, Dembele is injury prone. They really <laughs> will have to sell like the future of their team in order to actually have a future for their team. You have to. I mean, you. I think you kind of have to sell Frankie at this point. He's worth more to other teams than he is useful to you. You take that money, you invest it back into your academy. That's how you got the success in the past decade. That's how you're going to continue to get the success because there's always going to be great players coming up through the academy, and they would do anything to sign for Barca. You just got to be smart about it. And yeah, I, I just get the feeling they're going to lose Ter Stegen. Frankie, and the fact that Ronald Koeman was putting Ricky Puj on the bench is even worse. And that's another former player coach. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. That we didn't even talk about. Oh yeah, I forgot. Hmm. But but yeah, the R- Ricky Push, like the lifeline, the lifeblood of Barcelona, being mistreated. Oh my God, that that's almost. I'm I'm gonna go out and say it's as bad as as losing Messi at this point because he's he is something that not only comes out of their academy but still believes in the Barca way, which is yeah high press tiki taka. They lose him, man. It's just a totally different Barca. You you. Just if you were to blur the logo out in the top left of the screen, you wouldn't know who's playing based on the way they will be if they don't have Ricky Puj, Messi, and Illustre Stegen or Frankie. Yeah, that's facts. Um, anything else you guys want to add about anything going on in world football news? Hmm. Not yet, but with the Champions League coming back next month, that will definitely bring up a lot of content to our TV screens. And Sasha, exactly. we can't we can't wait yeah. to be able to cover it. Yeah, for sure. Bolo, we'd love to have you next Monday, as always, you know. On the yeah, Overlast podcast. Yeah, hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, and hey, we gotta talk about um we gotta talk about MMA. Oh we can do yeah, we can talk about that. <laughs> yeah, for we sure. We gotta talk that, about yeah. that at some point. Yeah, but, anytime, um, anytime. Yeah, I'll I'll DM you about it because like we could go live and talk about that. I got a lot to learn about that. You seem like you know a lot to learn. You like you know a lot, so that'd be a good opportunity for me to learn. And I know James is always one to want to learn more about sports, right? Oh, absolutely, always. You know the Buffalo Bulls. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, so for sure. But um, hey man, well nice meeting you, and thanks for tagging nice along, you, man. Ted. Thanks for stopping by, and everyone else on locker room who stopped by live for this recording or anyone who's listening on the overlap on Spotify or any other podcasting platform. We appreciate you so much for stopping by as Sasha James and Bolu saying, see you later for now. Take care guys. Bye.